0: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic. And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Stretch run of Grant and Danny on the fan. We're on Twitter, at Paulson at FunnyDanny, Instagram, same handles. Want to check us out there? Kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com. Mention g to score yourself a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. One week from tonight, we've got a huge station event.
2: This is going to be a hoot. 106.7 The Fan. First, the team, that Eddie Live. Bethesda Theater, February 2nd, 8 p.m. All the guys you know, right? Fan versus uh, the Team 90. February 2nd at 8 p.m. Bethesda Theater, off-air, on stage, uncensored. Junks, G&D, Brian Mitchell, all the 90 guys, et cetera. Get tickets today at BethesdaTheater.com. Presented by Main Street Bank. Cheer local, bank local. Put their team in your office.
1: Visit mstreetbank.com for more information. On the BetQL guest hotline is Odyssey NFL insider Brian Baldinger. Insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice Men have skin, too. Boldy is one of our favorite NFL guests. Thrilled to have him on ahead of Championship Sunday. So, Boldy, let's start with the early game, the AFC title game. Ravens are three-and-a-half-point favorites going into the contest. They're at home. They have not had a home conference championship game in decades. But, man, is it tough to eliminate the Chiefs. What's
3: your gut feel? Well, it's, my gut feel is exactly what you described. Like, the, the Ravens are favorite. They should be favored. They've been the best team in the league all year long. But here comes Patrick Mahomes, who, oh, by the way, he's 13 and 3 in the playoffs. Um, he's thrown 38 touchdowns against seven interceptions. The statistics are ridiculous for Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. And so we just saw him have a, a fantastic game against Buffalo. The the atmosphere, the rain, the the whatever the turf is looks like on Sunday, I don't think it's gonna make a difference. Like you gotta I mean, Lamar said it right. Like, if you want to beat the champ, you know, you want to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. And that's kind of what it is this week. The defense has been outstanding all year, but I'm sure Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes will have a good, a good game plan against that defense. And then Lamar has to, you know, I mean, he's got to outdo Patrick Mahomes. He's going to have to play great to beat the Chiefs. But it's
2: supposed to rain a lot. This Sunday, yeah. does that, will that affect yeah. things at all in, in your mind? The, the, the only thing I worry about is the Ravens passing game, but that may not be fair.
3: Well, I mean, look, uh, we saw rain nonstop in San Francisco last week. It sure looked like it, 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 it bothered Brock Purdy, mm-hmm. um, but it didn't. And we saw players slipping all over the place in San Francisco. They gave up one big play after another slipping. So, you know, the field turf getting to know what cleats to wear um, you know, keeping your feet underneath you. Technique is really important. Defensive backs, you slip and fall down, you give up seven points. So, I I think it could be a factor. Now, it wasn't a factor in San Francisco as far as hanging on to the football or ball security. The guys held on to it pretty good, but that is always a concern when the ball is, is wet, when the field is slippery. Um, special teams, you know, just handling punts and things like that, you can't take anything for granted. You've got to have you know, special, uh, just a special consciousness about what you're dealing with when the ball is wet and when the ground is wet.
1: Baldy, there's a feeling that the Chiefs' offense has gotten right, you know, that they are hitting their stride, so to speak. Do you think that's the case after averaging 26 and half points here in the playoffs, or do you think they just ran into a Dolphins team that was signing 35-year-old defensive ends and a Bills team that ran out of linebackers?
3: Well, I think that was part of it, no question. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco is averaging over 100 yards a game in each of the last three games, and a lot of it was against, you know, second-tier players, for sure. But uh, they still executed those runs. He still is a hard guy to tackle. I mean, he was breaking tackles of Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. Those guys have been in the league a long time. He broke those tackles all day the other day. So I think there is a case of that. But just, you know, they're going to see a very healthy Ravens defense. They're going to see a, a tandem of linebackers. Second to none in the league. Those guys, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith, they generally don't miss tackles. If they get a, they, if they put you in your periscope, they're going down. So I think, you know, you're going to have to execute to beat this defense because what they do defensively, nobody else in this league does. And I don't know if they know how to do it. I credit Michael McDonald for teaching the system of what they're playing.
2: Brian Baldinger with us here on G and D, and that was leading me to my question here, Baldy. He's getting a lot of head coaching. Uh, you know, buzz as, as a candidate, although it may not work out this cycle. But what makes this defense so special? I mean, they, you know, you pick up Genevieve Clowney, which anybody could do when ho in has nine and a half sacks as part of this unbelievable group? They have been unreal all year long. Why? What is it that makes them so special? All
3: right, so they play a matchup zone, and they don't reveal um, what their coverage is going to be in that matchup zone until the ball is snapped. So, they're always in some sort of rotation. They're blitzing. They blitz a lot. Usually, it's just one-man blitz. But, like, a guy like Genevieve Clowney, he's benefited. He's still not a great pass rusher. But Van Noy, Genevieve, Matabike, they're putting up big numbers because the quarterback is forced to hold the ball. Uh, C.J. Stroud did last week, and, you know, he had his worst game of the season. They literally – it doesn't matter what you do pre-snap, how you shift motion, formation – they sit on top of you, and then as the, the routes develop, then they, they match up with them. And the eyes are always on the quarterback, so if he breaks the pocket, they're, they're basically coming into tackling the quarterback. Um, but otherwise, they're sitting on top of these routes. You, can't, you, you can run any route combination you want. There's going to be a, a, somebody on top of the route looking back at the quarterback, cluing the quarterback, uh, and then they match up with you. And so it becomes man coverage at a certain point. And so then it doesn't even matter if Ronald Darby's playing corner or Marlon Humphrey, because his job is to match up when the ball's in the air, play the ball in the air, and that's what they did last week. And they they disguise the blitzes out of it. They get free hitters to the quarterback to speed up the process. Um, it is by far the most difficult defense to play against in this league. Yeah, and it's maybe the
1: best defense statistically we've seen in a few years. In fact, there's an analytical case DVOA with strength of schedule that this is one of the best teams ever in in that analytical community. I'm wondering, what are their flaws? Like, every team's got a wart. I can't really come up with Baltimore's, but what would you say it is?
3: Well, the last team, in week 14, the Rams went there. They scored 31 points. They started the game out. They ran the ball 10 straight times in a row. And they went down and kicked a field goal. Um, They really – I think you have to be able to run the ball against them. They, They want to play with their two safeties deep to make sure that you're not getting the ball over their heads. And when teams play two safeties high like that, you've got to be able to run the ball against it because you're going to get a hat on a hat. And then somebody, you know, you're not going to get a free hitter to the running back. So if you block them up the way Arizona did, the way the Rams did, the way a couple teams did this year, you had success running the ball. It certainly makes it a lot easier to control the ball, control the, you know, the time of possession uh, and keep the offense off the field. And some of those teams were able to do that.
2: Baldy, let's go to the other game, NFC game here. Detroit, the story's unbelievable. The energy's been great. You know, you got to feel something for guys at Golf Reclamation Project, you know, going from a place that didn't really want him and now having an unbelievable run here. Dan Campbell, Ben Johnson, the whole nine yards. This is like an uphill climb to me. They're seven-and-a-half-point dogs, I think, for a reason. Give me the prescription for them to win it.
3: Well, I think their offense has to be dynamite. I mean, they just got to be able to go up and down the field because I I don't see – Detroit's defense slowing this team down. I, I think McCaffrey's going to have an unbelievable game, I believe, in Perry. so it really becomes two things. One, how aggressive Dan Campbell is, which I, I think we all think he's going to take some chances. It could be fourth downs. It could be fake field goals. It could be instead of kicking a field goal, going forward on fourth down. I mean, whatever he's going to do, I think he's going to do it to win it, to steal an extra possession, but I think their offense has to be dynamic, and they, they're very good. Ben Johnson's excellent. Um, the way that they scheme some of these guys open, the way they run the ball, I think they have a chance, you know, to score uh, 24, 27, 30 points. And if they do, they should be in the game. But their offense can't turn it over at all. And I think that's what San Francisco is going to try to do, try to pressure Goff into turnovers. When he turns it over, they don't win games. And so I think, you know, that's going to be part of their game plan to dial up some pressure on him to really speed his process up.
1: The Niners are 12-1 when Debo's healthy. They're 1-4 in games where he misses some time. Why is it so different? That's just this year's numbers, but it bears out over multiple years, too.
3: Well, he, he's a dual-threat player. He runs the ball. He's also a receiver, and that's also the screen game. That's also all the jet sweeps, the reverses. The way that they feed him, nobody else in the team does what he does. Uh, that's number one number two he's he's so dynamic after the catch um you could throw a five yard shell across to him he breaks two tackles and he goes for 30 so he gives you big chunks and then i think he's the guy on the team that gives him uh, just this level of toughness about the team yes McCaffrey can break tackles he's a great back he's the league's best back but debo's the guy that gets the crowd going he gets the defense going when debo is running through defenses and breaking tackles for splash plays. It it seems like it energizes the entire team, unlike anybody else that touches the ball.
2: For the Niners last week, you mentioned it was in the rain. They just didn't look quite like themselves. They've been pretty dominant when those, uh, you know, kind of their core group of guys has been healthy. They weren't last week against Green Bay. Do you take anything out of that for a prescription for me for Detroit, or was that just a one-off weekend, survive in advance, and this is kind of a whole new deal?
3: No, I mean, you have to – Look, it, they, the quarterback did not play well for much of the game. The final drive, he was awesome. He made some good throws during the game, but he missed a lot of throws. So you're not making third-down throws. You're getting off the field. You're punting the ball away. So I thought he missed a lot of throws that he normally makes. I don't know. If, you know, if He had the glove on. He had the glove off. I don't think he knew how to throw a wet ball. He probably hadn't done it very often. And so whether the ball was slipping out of his hand or he couldn't rip it right, he was affected by the rain. That was part of it. And then you got to say, okay, they didn't really play week 18, so you got to go back to week seven. So it's been three weeks since they really played, and uh, you know, and then Baltimore just crushed them, you know. So they hadn't played really a good game of football in a month, and I just think there was some rust that was uh, exhibited there by them, and maybe uh, some rust on the play calling too by Kyle Shanahan and how he attacked um, that Packers defense.
1: My thinking is. That if they go with the same formula Green Bay had, I don't know why Detroit won't be able to run the ball really well. You know, a lot of uh, the film breakdown stuff I've seen this week from guys that are in that business with you, you know, it's a lot of that like outside zone or toss, like pin and pull stuff where they get all those big bodies pulling. I mean, Green Bay torched San Francisco. They went right to Chase Young a bunch. Why wouldn't Detroit, who does that better in my opinion anyway, just be able to replicate that?
3: Well, that's what I'm saying. I think their offense is going to be good. I think they're going to be able to replicate a a great deal of it. I mean, I would run at Chase Young, too. You know, um, whether it's toss crack or pin and pulls or, you know, just outside zone, uh, it seems to be a weakness of theirs. Uh, Statistically, it has been. They have not been good at it this year. So I would expect Ben Johnson to exploit that. Is there a way to fix that
1: now, Baldy? Like... If we're talking about it, they know about it, right? They just watch the film, and they're like, man, "Man." Ben Johnson's licking his lips. Like, what can uh, uh, Wilkes Wilkes do now?
3: Well, I mean, it it comes down to defeating blocks. Either you get blocked and stay blocked, or you defeat the block. So it comes down to, I refuse to be blocked. I'm going to stack and shed. I'm going to get off. I'm going to use my hands. I'm going to play with the low um, pad level. I'm going to get underneath these blockers. And I'm going to just, you know, get rid of the blockers in front of me and defeat the play before it happens. Like, this this it all can be beat. But you have to have a mindset that you're not going to be blocked. And I would say that's what Steve Wilkes is preaching all week. Like, this is what's coming. You know what's coming. Now, what are you going to do to defeat it? And that's really um, you know, a mano-a-mano a mano thing, a man-to-man thing, and how they get off these blocks this weekend.
2: Well, the, you watch so much football, so much film, et, et cetera. I wonder, from your perspective, I mean, from a fan's perspective, we all have kind of rooting interests and things we'd like to see, you know, storylines we'd like to to be involved in. From an X's and O's, kind of this makes you the most excited and happy. What's your favorite Super Bowl matchup in that regard?
3: Well, I think San Francisco's been the best team in the NFC all year. I think Baltimore's been the best team in the AFC all year. I'd like to see, both of them, I'd like to see Lamar, you know, go up against – uh, you know, a guy like Brock Purdy, I like to see Kyle Shanahan go for a Super Bowl win. Um, you know, against an organization that's built around uh, winning Super Bowls as well. So, I, I think that's still the best matchup out there. But look, if Kansas City and Detroit play, I'm all in. Like I, you know, they, they've earned their uh, they've earned the right to punch their ticket to go to Las Vegas uh, in two weeks. So, any combination is fine with me. But I. Have, I just feel like Baltimore and San Francisco has been the two best teams all year, and I think that's what's going to end up happening.
1: I want to shift gears for a moment, if you don't mind. As you know, you're on in D.C. with us here, Baldy, and the Commanders are one of two teams that are still uh, looking for a head coach, and a lot of people are pointing to Ben Johnson, but they are also going to be interviewing Dan Quinn again. I'm just curious. Uh, I guess let's start with Quinn. Are you surprised that his name has come up so much both to Washington and Seattle in this cycle as a possible retread head coach? Uh,
3: I'm not surprised. Uh, The the Cowboys have taken the ball away probably more than any other team since Dan has been there. They've done a lot of good things. Uh, He was playing with a defense that was hamstrung by the lack of linebackers, and so it showed up against Green Bay. That's not Dan's fault. It's just the way the team was constructed and the injuries that they sustained. He did the best he could. I'm not surprised some of these guys, Uh, You know, Dan Quinn, I'm sure he interviews very well. He's got a commanding presence about him. He, You know, he was – I could see him getting a second shot. Uh, I'm interested, you know, in what Adam Peters now, uh, the general manager there in Washington, is thinking. Uh, Obviously, he comes from San Francisco. He's, you know, he's had a great deal of success there with John Lynch. He's been a big part of that success. Uh, I think they know how to build a team and what it takes to build a team. So – but it starts with who you're – Commander-in-Chief is going to be. And, you know, pick him with the second pick. You're going to have your choice of quarterbacks more than likely if that's the route they go. Um, I just say this about Ben Johnson. I think Ben Johnson is going to get a long, hard look here from Washington. My only concern is I don't know what Ben is like in front of the room. I can see how he can draw up plays and matchups and some of the insightful things that he does from a game plan standpoint. But if somebody tells me again that, well, you know, you put Ben Johnson with the the second pick in the draft and Drake May and whatever, like everything's good. Well, I always say this. It's great if the quarterback plays well because the coach is a, a quarterback whisperer to some degree. But what about the other 52 guys on the roster? Like are they motivating those guys as well? And are they leading those other 52 guys beside the quarterback? That's my only concern. I don't know. What Ben's like in front of him. Some of us never know that stuff when these coordinators get hired and they become duds as a head coach because they're not a head coach, they're a coordinator. And they've risen probably as far as they should. And I'm not saying Ben Johnson is or isn't that guy. I just, that's just a question I always have when coordinators get hired.
1: Can I ask you this? Because we always think of you, Baldy, as like, you are Mr. Film Critic to us, right? I mean, you are, you break it down better than anybody. Would you're like, I'm more of a, I didn't play in the league for the years that you did. I don't, I can't watch film like you do. I dive into the numbers and the data essentially to me says, find your offensive savant. That's the best way to, to thrive as a head coaching hire. Now, would you go into searches with a preference or proclivity, or would you just kind of want to be wowed by a leader of men? Like in 2024, how would you even go about a search? If someone brought you in and said, find me my head coach.
3: Well, I mean, I'd want a leader first, like a real leader. Um, If they can draw up plays and design offense um, the way some of, you know, Kyle Shanahan, uh, you know, Sean McVay, well, I mean, if they could do it like that, great. Uh, But if you're around Sean McVay for two minutes, like he's a whole lot more than a play caller. I mean, there's a reason why all these guys are coming out of his system right there and becoming head coaches right now. I mean, the guy is fantastic. Uh, in, on any level of football. The fact that he also is a very bright offensive mind um, is just like, that's just, that's just a bonus to me because I think you can find those guys. I think those guys are out there, uh, guys that are creative offensively. But I need a guy that can create a vision for what my organization is going to be. And when we lose a tough game, when he walks into the building, everybody feels better about our chances next week because that guy is leading us. Baldy, prediction for the games this weekend. What do you got? I like the home teams. I like, uh, I like Baltimore and San Francisco to, uh, to move on. Um, I, think, I think we'll see two very well-coached teams uh, advance here this Sunday. Baldy, we love you. Thank you, buddy. And hopefully I'll see you down
1: in uh, Vegas. I'll be there. I'll see you guys. All right. Be good, man. There's Brian Baldinger, our Odyssey NFL insider. Always good to have him on the show. Insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice men have skin too. He is going with the favorites. You and I have talked all week about how it looks like Baltimore and San Francisco are on this collision course. We disagree though on who's in more trouble in terms of upset watch. I believe in this game because I I believe that um, you know that Lions 49ers game is going to be tighter than Kansas City Baltimore. I know it's it's a you know my home's read history all that. If you tell me right now that that game either comes down to a field goal or the Ravens beat the Chiefs by 10, I think I would probably say the Ravens beat the Chiefs by 10. Could be wrong.
2: We'll see. Well, of course, yeah, that's that's why they line up and play them. I just think that rain is a a, a sneaky equalizer in terms of it maybe well, some of the is big the plays. What's the actual
1: weather plan here?
2: It's supposed to be pouring rain all day in the in the low 40s. But the Chiefs have run the ball really well by the way. Just that. Appreciate
1: 100 yard games for Pacheco. Uh the problem is he just lost a really good run blocking interior, interior alignment yep. and they haven't played a team like baltimore at all
2: i know so but I, I think that's the game's gonna be more mucked up i think we're not gonna see maybe the scoring we're used to i don't think the big plays will be there for baltimore in the past game where they you know belly gut punch you a, a dozen you don't times think and then the ravens that can just hit.
1: line up and shove the ball right down the chief's throat like the bills did i
2: think that's ultimately how they're gonna win the game but then it's mahomes yeah. moxie you know kelsey one more time riding the immortals uh i think
1: it's gonna be close all right, let's look ahead to tonight. It's a big night for the Grant and Danny radio program. We are headed over to a dinner. Mm-hmm. We're going to eat lots of food. So much. And it's going to be very, very gross what happens. Like, don't look at us, if that makes sense. For some reason, by the way, hmm. it seems like everyone already knows what they're ordering. Like, the, you know, people are excited when yeah. they've been just looking at the menu and looking up pictures of everything. So, Ryan, you've told me that you've already made your final decision on entree. Yes, I have. Tonight, I will be getting
4: the. Linguini Cardinale. It'll be uh, served a nice, rich
1: pasta dish mm. of obviously linguine. What's and then, the Cardinale part of that? Uh, that's a great question. I believe it is lobster meat. And what I have seen in some reviews and some pictures, it's just a bunch of big old lobster claws in there. That is where I'll be tonight. Okay. How about it? Uh, it sounds like a Ryan restaurant review might be coming our way. We might have to Although, have one uh, of those. Uh, that's normally my uh, hill to have to fall on. Daris, have you made up your mind? Did we find something that is anti-seafood for my guy?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, there's plenty of anti-seafood stuff. I haven't, I haven't fully locked in on what I want yet. But the thing that's standing out to me is, um, I think it's called the ravioli uh, polo, polio something. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's chicken and it's and, and pasta,
1: and it sounds great with vodka sauce. Uh, just please, yeah. it's one of my leaders in the clubhouse. Yeah, it's one there of my might favorites. be a couple of those on the table. I haven't looked at the menu yet because I'm one of these weird guys. I'm going to look at it when we get to the restaurant. Oh, why would you? I think I think you have to prepare. Did did, can someone tell me did Danny pressure you guys into this? Because Danny's normal thing is if the waitress or waiter comes over, we don't already know what we want. He's livid. Did he tell you guys to have your act together because he doesn't want to waste any time at the dinner? No, they have sense. This is actually my bit as well. Like I will always know what I'm getting. To wherever restaurant I'm going.
2: I will say he before didn't, you
1: show up. Before I show up, I look at the menu every time. That is weird.
2: I will say he. While Danny didn't pressure me to look into the menu, it was in the back of my head when I was thinking about okay. looking into the menu. So I was like, Danny I don't want Danny inspired. judging me. Yeah, he yeah. kind of inspired me. Yeah.
1: Do You know what you're getting? Absolutely. What are you getting? We're gonna start
2: the evening off. This is uh, pour la top for the table here. Uh, Arancini balls, a little polpette, classic. Very happy those about those are your meatballs. Uh, we'll also be featuring a mozzarella in carrozza, which is the fried cheese bread that they have, which is a lot of adult things all at once. It's so fantastic. It's perfect. It's paradise. It's like believing in hope. Uh, for dinner, it's probably going to be a little game time decision. I'll hear what the specials are, but we're leaning towards one of the veal situations here uh, for me. Thinking about the Vitello saltimbocca or the Asambuco as well. These are different choices. Different preparations of veal, but both outstanding. They of course come with pasta, which is the star of the show. Veal, Danny. That's right. Poor little guy. He's already dead. Might as well end up in my stomach. (laughs) Nothing I can do about it now. I can't. I can't undead him.
1: My dad has been known to go to a fine Italian establishment and to enjoy the veal. I'm also a veal guy. so is your co-host. I don't do it all the time, but I'm doing it this time. I'm happy that you are. Are you are you explaining yourself to us? You no. mind your head a little bit? I, I'll be just I, fine. I wouldn't get veal most of the time. Adjust no, I don't.
2: Me. I don't I don't routinely do <laughs> veal. It's not right. like it's a oh, it's a Tuesday. I should
1: probably veal it up. It's been a minute. I'm gonna guess. I have not looked at the menu. I'm not a crazy person. There's gonna be time when we get there. Which one of these is not like the other? I'm gonna get some kind of penny. Very likely. Mm-hmm. There will be lots of pictures posted. Now, Danny, you hate when people post pictures of food. Right. We should just eat it. I will post many pictures. I'll even go live tonight at some point. I'll be that annoying guy uh, to show everybody's uh, happiness except Danny, who's salty and, like, looking at his watch. The phone uh, it's first. On Instagram, at Grand H. Paulson. You can follow along with our uh, evening there. But should be fun, and uh, we got to get out of here to go that way. Keep it right here on 106.7 The Fan Live and local into the evening. Doc Walker comes your way next with Doc Vertime, I believe it's called Doctor Time. Doctor Time. There's a doctor's appointment next. There what it is, is. What if that was like Doc was like a wrestler, and it was like that was his gimmick? Was like, like the
2: doctor is in. The doctor's
1: in, and it's time <laughs> for an appointment. In your case, I'll be making a house call, and then like <laughs> the fight happens. That's how every show starts. He's like, "It's time for your doctor's appointment." Oh, my God, it's the stethoscope. Like, that's his finisher. Have a great night. Have a lovely weekend. Enjoy all your football. It's almost Ben Johnson time, people.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend.
4: I'm Toby Altizer with your sports update on the fan. Conference championships on Sunday in the AFC. The Chiefs will take on the Ravens at 3 o'clock, and Baltimore is going to have back tight end Mark Andrews. He was activated off injured reserve. He's going to be good to go. Kansas City is going to be without their left guard Joe Tooney, as well as defensive tackle Derek Nottie. Running back Isaiah Pacheco and linebacker Willie Gay are both listed as questionable. NFC championship game, the Lions take on the 49ers, kickoff at 6.30, and Debo Samuel is a full go for the NFC championship game for the Niners in basketball, the Wizards are back in action tomorrow, taking on the Pistons in Detroit. Games at noon on Bloomberg ninety nine one. And in hockey, the Capitals are back in action tomorrow afternoon, taking on the Dallas Stars in Dallas. To a two p.m. puck drop. You can hear right here on the Fan College Hoops tomorrow. Maryland takes on Nebraska at home at noon. You can hear that game over on the Team nine eighty. Georgetown's on the road, taking on Providence at twelve thirty. You can hear that on fifteen eighty a.m. And Virginia Tech's at home, taking on Boston College. It's a 5 p.m. tip-off over on the Team 980. From the Crop Medcap 5-Star Sports Desk, I'm Toby Altizer on The Fan.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.